0: Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? everything else because it's never ever about food or weight never ever not even one time not ever 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 hello everyone this is laurie rourke from it's not about food podcast and today we're going to be talking about observation and in the front of the card is the goddess is sitting on a little ledge next to a little hill that she's able to sit next to. And she's writing, maybe journaling, and her deer animals looking over her paper. And is a very sweet card, really, the colors of it. It just looks very peaceful. So the back of the card says, observation is the ability to observe and question our behaviors. When we can do this with a sense of detachment, curiosity, and no judgment, like a scientist can, we can then be safe enough to see our true behaviors. Only by seeing ourselves as clearly and as honestly as possible can we start to understand our behaviors. So for me, this card is about being able to step back a little bit. And notice your behaviors without being mad at them or without wishing they were something else or going into a shame spiral about them. Just like, isn't that interesting? I have a feeling, I think, and then I do this thing about that, but I still have this feeling and I'm still not feeling good. And I tried to help it through this other way. But if we can just step back and go, oh, I have a feeling. Okay. I have a thing. Okay. Maybe there's an action to do and maybe there's not, but... We can have that sense of detachment about it. It's sort of like we're not the feeling. We have a feeling, but we're not the feeling. And we can also look at it curiously, like, do I need to do something about this? Is there an action I need to take? Do I need to just sit with myself for a minute, put my hand on my heart, tell myself I love me? You know, a lot of times I find if I just tune into the feelings... They will pass. This too shall pass. And I don't really have to do anything. I just have to acknowledge what's there a lot of the time. Maybe there's stuff to do, but a lot of times a feeling wants to let me know it's there. It's just saying hi. Hi, you're still sad that your dog died a month ago okay, I get that. I had him for 17 years and that was hard. So there's nothing to do about it. There's just a feel that I miss my little scooter dog. So I feel like that's the whole piece about seeing ourselves and our feelings and our thoughts and desires as honestly as possible helps us move through them. And then we don't have to really be weirded out about that we do. <laughs> you know. It's like, of course, it's okay. And I, again, it's sort of like if I bring it back to like feeling sad about Scooter, I've had people say, well, he had a nice long life, but that's not so helpful because I would easily have him another 17 years if I could. They don't even need to say anything. They can just say, yeah, I get it. We're always trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it myself or they're trying to fix it for me. And it's better just to let it be, I think. And that's the wonderful part about observation is you get to just see it. So I am really grateful today to have a really wonderful woman with me here. And she uh, came into my life through the Beyond Hunger Peer Education Program. She was such a good helper. (laughs) You know, she had already been through some recovery, lots of recovery. She had a sort of a, already a really good speaking voice and had really good ideas about how to get this message across to teenagers. And I don't know, I just don't know if I would have made it those first few years of taking over the peer ed program from... Felicia and then Barbara when they needed to leave without you. You were such a huge help to me, really. I still use some of the stuff that you created yourself. So I wanna introduce Alexa and just really again thank her so much for being in my life. Still, here she is today being on the podcast. Fabulous. So, hello, what you doing? What am I doing? Hi, Larly.
1: So cool. I was just before coming on here reflecting about that time in peer education. This is what I was thinking about. I was thinking about how we were in these high schools and we were talking about body image. How ridiculous! This body image that society tells us that we're trying to be how ridiculous it is and we were up there preaching and and don't believe it and love yourself and and eat and all that and how the looks on these (laughs) teenagers faces were like the look of what are you saying to me like and I was just feeling into that right now like of course that was the look because that's how hard it is to work against the standard that this patriarchal white supremacist culture has put up for us, and that it feels like pushing a boulder up a mountain to try to do the other thing. And I just had a moment of like, wow, what work we were doing. <laughs>
0: I and know work,
1: and it just gets harder and harder as the years go on with more and more images and more and more of the social media, which wasn't even really a thing ten years ago when we were doing this work together,
0: no, they were having to deal with magazines and TV and movies, but no way were they having to deal with Facebook, I don't even think. I don't even think Barely, Facebook. Barely, yeah, yeah, let alone the Instagram and the TikTok. And right, this. and it hadn't yeah. become as crazy as it has gotten.
1: Yeah. Right. So yeah. So these days I teach meditation and mindfulness in the spiritual world and in the, in the Buddhist world. And I've been thinking about, I think my practice has changed. I think for so many years, literally, I was trying to rewrite this body image for myself and like, okay, this is not true. I tell myself a different story. And it was all very much like up here in my head, trying to think my way into a different reality observing thoughts and how the thoughts came from my past and how their deep grooves and trying to change just like you were saying trying to observe and understand where they came from and, and that really it's such an uphill battle to try to change our idea of what ideal body and with the is. like because the head right so <laughs> it's so big I try to think our way to a new way and then I had this in the last couple of months, wake up moment where I realized that this way that I've been relating to my body and healing and meditation even was relating to my thoughts about my body. So in essence, like I was relating to a concept of body, like the thoughts of what a body should look like, even the thoughts of what a body should eat, the thoughts of when a body should sleep, like the thoughts about what a body should move. And like, that was all concept and then started dropping down with meditation practice like into my body. you like, oh, this is my body. What's here right now? What's happening right now? Like the sensation in my palms of my hands when I close my eyes, there's like this vibrant aliveness. The bottom of my feet and it started opening this... Just understanding that, oh, there's an experiential body happening right in this moment. And that's different from thoughts about body. And that's what I'm excited about these days, practicing and dropping and even like feeling into the heart and emotions. It's like that's a body experience and feeling the movement of heart. And as I've been meditating in this way and practicing in this way, the body wisdom reveals It needs and what it wants and it's like you don't have to try to rely on thinking your way into it anymore because it's not reliable that thinking yeah it changes all the time right and it's just fascinating because when we're dropping into our body and just pausing and feeling and asking what does this body need right now it's like Maybe it needs just to lie down for 10 minutes, or maybe it maybe it actually what it you thought it you needed to lie down, but really it's a super fast walk around the block. Maybe you think, oh, really, I should have a chamomile tea, but the body's like, no, I think just a jolt of caffeine actually might put me in the right. <laughs> it could be different than what we think. I we, know.
0: Yeah. So the question is always then, how do we get to the out of the brain and into the body, you know, into the heart or into the spirit of the matter of don't believe everything you think, but actually check it out with this other part of you without using your helpful brain that wants to help us at every little point. Here, do this. Here, do that.
1: Yeah. I have one teacher, meditation teacher, who says we begin the long, arduous, (laughs) 12-inch journey from the head. (laughs) the heart you know right it's like I just have this image of, of dropping down just like a and it's like there's gravity happening every moment like literally the earth always pulling our bodies to itself all we have to do is turn our attention to that and there we are in the body because this experiential body that's right here cannot be in the thinking mind it can't be in the past or in the future it's just right here right
0: now Yeah, this hurts. This doesn't hurt. (laughs) This feels good. This doesn't feel good. It's very simple. I'm hungry. It's like this mantra. Feel my feet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Feel your feet on the floor. Yeah. And I actually, working with clients that get very confused about, you know, this loop to loop obsession going around in their head is just stop everything and say, where are my feet? Put your feet on the floor. Just stay right there. Stay right there. And it helps them get grounded for sure. I think another
1: interesting thing to do when the mind is uh, dancing away with the thinking, which is which it's doing most of the time, yeah. honestly. It's this little job. Yeah, is to drop in a little curiosity of like, where do these thoughts live in the body right now? And honestly, you don't always find an answer. But what happens is you start to look in the body. There you are. You're back down. You just took the journey. And maybe you don't find out where the thought is living. Or maybe you notice, oh, wow, my heart all of a sudden feels like it just squeezed or my belly's tight. Maybe, but sometimes there isn't an answer, but then, but then you're looking.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the answer isn't as important as the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that movement down. So how did you sort of find, I guess your body in your body and without your head yeah well it's interesting that you say that the body and the body because that is a
1: buddhist teaching and the first foundation of mindfulness is let's be mindful of the body within the body and it's like pointing to this there's a subtlety in the body outside of concepts even outside of movement and the big sensations that we're feeling but this like subtle vibrant aliveness and that's what's been interesting with me and i find it through meditation i just meditate every day i'm committed to doing that you know closing my eyes and getting quiet and just looking for the hum of aliveness oh yeah waiting for it to reveal and i think that it reveals itself through focusing on the breath starting there and then just asking myself can i feel my breath in my legs Can I feel it in my feet? And it opens a doorway into this like subtle hum of life, of liveness. I think for me, been a doorway to falling in love with my body from the inside out versus trying to make peace, love this image,
0: which really is just putting all the value still on image. It is. It's still the same old game. Well, I love this image. How about just love this body, however way it is? I love that falling in love with your body. And that I think is so important, especially for people who are just devastatingly struggling with body hatred, just loathing their body, just cannot friggin' stand it at all. Can't stand to look at it, can't stand to touch it, can't stand to walk around. And it's like being apart from our soul. We just, how can we be like that? How can that happen?
1: Yeah that's been me my whole life yeah oh and it just got worse after becoming a mom just seeing the the body change and it's been my whole lifelong journey and I'm passionate about it but I just realized that every time I would see the image of myself in the mirror or try on the cl- you know all the things we do try on the clothes and it was just always that same reaction of just not good enough so I've really worked on trying to know this image is beautiful it's okay to be round it's okay and then still I would feel like I would get nowhere and it's just this piece of like understanding that that was thoughts about body and not my actual body it's such a subtle difference but it's a huge difference when you feel into it when you feel with eyes closed what it's like to be in a body and I think we can know this feeling when we're sick and all of a sudden we care so much about wellness and drinking the tea and resting and that's caring about the body from within. It lets
0: We're letting go of the image of the body. It's just, oh, I want to be. It's that same energy. You're so correct. I was just sick uh, this last weekend. I had some kind of little flu bug or something. And, you know, I did not give a what I look like I just wanted to get well I was okay with me as long as I could get well and as soon as I do start to feel better there's all those shoulds and well you should do this you should do this or look this way or whatever but for those moments that I was just laying there trying to allow my body to heal really that's what I was doing asking it to heal and I was just going to lay still until it did (laughs) there's really a tenderness and a kindness. Yeah, I wasn't going to force it like, okay, you better be breathing better. I didn't have that. I didn't have any instructions from my head to my body on how to heal. My body was just doing it. And what my head was telling me is maybe you have stomach cancer. Maybe you have spine cancer. Maybe you have brain cancer. (laughs) That's what it was doing. It was very busy. But I was just allowing my body to heal. But there was none of this. You don't look good in those pajamas. It was none of that. It was just lay here and let my body take over.
1: And what can I wear right
0: now that would be really comfortable? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. What if that was the motivator for getting dressed? Right. I don't want anything holding my tummy in right now. My tummy hurts, you know, whatever. So... Yeah, it is a, it's a completely different mindset when you're just allowing your body to do what it needs to do. You know, it's what I have struggled with when I was teaching yoga, when I just told people just be in your feet and be in your body while you make this stretch. And don't look around the room because everybody's got a different body and they're going to do it different. Please stay within you and your breath and your body. But it was impossible to tell us that, us Americans. We were looking around and I should be better than I am and I don't look good in these tights. and <laughs> That's the nature
1: of the mind for every person in the world. Is that's the comparing mind, like whether we look better than the person next to us or or whether, and I think you know we're talking about mindfulness and talking about observation it's a great place to practice observation is in those moments when you feel better than or look better than or feel less than because whether it's you're on the better end of the stick or or the whether you feel like you're less than both are equally painful when you stop and feel feeling. It. and it's like what you're saying at the beginning of when you're observing and stopping and noticing and just feeling into these painful feelings, it's like letting it be okay. It's okay that this is the feeling that's
0: happening right now. And I think like you're saying, it's no matter what, whether you feel like you're better or worse, or somebody tells you that you're better or you're worse. I'm 70 and I have people say, you don't look 70, you look so much younger. And I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, well, but I am 70. This is how I look at 70, you know. Does it
1: make you feel better? How does it make you feel? <laughs> <even better? laughs>
0: it's like, I don't know what I'm going to look like at 80, but I'm going to worry about that when I'm 80. And why am I worrying about what I look like? I'm just happy to be in 70. I live 70 years. That's really what that means. But we have, we put a lookism on so much, or a do on so much. Be here now. Be here now. My friend Ram Das be here now. So what do you think about this sort of idea of seeing ourselves clearly and honestly as possible? Can we understand our behaviors? So seeing ourselves as a, wow, isn't this interesting? I'm doing this thing, but not attaching to it and not judging it, just noticing it. And then, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then maybe we change, but maybe we don't. Maybe that's okay to do that.
1: Yeah, I think coming from the mindfulness perspective, what happens, I think, is we have all these, you know, all the full range of human experience and emotions, and most of the time we are judging that this isn't supposed to be happening, and whether it's just being tired. I mean, just simple things like that. If yeah, I'm tired Hungry. right now. Right. Or I'm thinking and I, I shouldn't <laughs> be thinking even like all of these things that we do or yeah, I'm hungry or whatever it is. and there is a subtle judgment, it shouldn't be this way. And so then we don't let it be okay, we don't feel it even. And then if say a moment of exhaustion comes and we don't try to fix it and we just say, it's it's actually okay, it's okay, there's nothing I need to do. Then it's seeing clearly what's happening but it's also bringing in loving kindness. And then when that happens, there's a pause and a tenderness that come in together at the same time. And then it's OK, what is the choice? Which behavior is the one that's going to help me make me feel really happy right now? And when we circumvent that with not feeling, not seeing, not you know closing off, then we just go about all of these. What we should. I don't know do. if I'm directly answering your question, but that's no, where you are. That's how I work with it. I've been practicing meditation on long retreats for many years. And I would just go about seeing, looking, just really allowing and trying to be non-judgmental of any, anything that would come up in, in life and in meditation and really just trying to see and understand. But I miss this bit about non-judgmental. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't pick it up yet. It didn't. Yeah. I thought I was being non-judgmental. And then I went on one retreat. Like one of the first retreats since being a mom and I was so tired. I think this is why the exhaustion kind of comes up every, every, and on these long meditation retreats, this wasn't a long one. It was just a week, you know, you sit many times a day. And every time I went to sit, I would fall asleep and, you know, I kind of fall over a little bit. And and in the past, and this is just an example of, you know, something on retreat, but the same thing happens in life, try to fix it and okay maybe I should go have some caffeine or maybe yes. I should go walk, well. for a walk I'm gonna micromanage it so that I don't have to feel tired anymore and then I noticed on this retreat I just didn't do that and I got up after every sit, and I would just feel okay well that happened and then be sort of joyful and then go sit down same thing would happen I fall asleep again <laughs> over and over and then in the middle of the retreat I was like oh this is interesting I I feel happy <laughs> even though I've seen <laughs> absolutely nothing I feel like nothing has happened actually beautiful or any it's been boring you know yeah I sit and I fall asleep and then I realized that what I was saying to myself the whole time was it's okay it's okay and it's it has become my mantra and it has changed my life actually whatever whatever it is, it's okay. And it's this piece of seeing what's happening in the mind, but really allowing it to be okay. And it's so tender. And I think the whole thing slows down in that moment. And that's where the moment of choice is because the tenderness is there. It's okay. It's even okay that I feel like I wanna binge right now. That's okay. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's happening because that's what I've always done. Whenever this emotion comes, I feel like I just wanna eat and eat and not stop. And it's okay i feel that way but i'm not going to do it because that's going to hurt be
0: me. a whole other thing
1: and that for me that was the moment of like it's okay that i feel like i want to be thinner that's okay that's just what the mind is doing but i know i'm not going to do anything about it
0: exactly storygram network welcome to one media one media i <laughs> <laughs> It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. You know, I'd rather just learn how to be Okay with the way my skin looks at 70 rather than jump through a million hoops and get surgery and all kinds of different things because that doesn't feel right to me. I'm not saying anybody else should or shouldn't do it. It's just for me, I just want to be okay with however way I am.
1: And even if the thought comes like, oh man, I wish my skin was tighter, that's okay too. Absolutely. But then seeing that, I'm like, oh,
0: isn't that, that hurts that I want that, but that's true. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do anything. That's right. right. That's right. And that's for right this minute too. I don't have to worry about past or future. It's like right now, am I going to just sit here with what is? Yeah, I think so. It's okay. And I love the image of you falling asleep and then going, I should have coffee. I should do this. I should do this. So you don't have just this physical reaction to being tired. That cannot be, especially at meditation class.
1: We just do that all the time, trying to micromanage our experience when actually if we just come back to the moment, it's like, it's fine even though it's super uncomfortable. A lot of the things that come up in our minds are really painful and uncomfortable, but if we stay with it right in this moment, more or less it's workable. It's the fear of what's coming next. That's or exactly right. That is where the problem comes.
0: Yeah. If we stay in the moment, we're okay. Even if the moment is terrible, there's not going to be another moment. If the moment is full of fear and terror or whatever, It's okay, just sit and this too shall pass really well.
1: And then it's asking the question, what does that mean? What does that mean to be in the moment? Because we can just say that so easily, just be here now, just be in the moment. It's like, what do you do? How do you do that? And I think that's where I come full circle back to the body. Then it's okay, there's a moment of fear. Usually that's what's underneath every difficult emotion is a fear. Okay, some primal fear that we've got, you know? And then where do I feel that in the body? In my heart. I'm sweating or my throat is closing. That's how to be with it in the moment, is just seeing where it lives in the body. That slows everything down. And that gives us the time to actually. Feel into what do I, how can I be with this right now? So, not that we just have to meditate our way through things, it's not that at all, but it's starting to look where do I feel this and how do I be with this? Okay, how I want to be with this right now is to call a friend, or how I want to be with this right now is to go for a walk, or I need to put on some stand up comedy right now, or whatever it is, you know, so I need to laugh.
0: Right. I want to chop up a bunch of vegetables.
1: Yeah, yeah. We just lie
0: flat on my back. Whatever it is, but so true.
1: Or maybe it is. You know what? I want some ice cream like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. And there's no judgment about any of it. I think about a little kid, and I know you have a little kid, and how for a long time they're just whatever they do is. Well, of course it's okay because I did it, and I don't. Really think like that, anyway. I would say to my granddaughters, "I'm like, why did you do that?" She was like, "I wanted to." <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was what I was doing. I mean, it was so clear to her that she wasn't thinking about every little action before she took the action. She just did what she did. And at some point she changed, you know, she got domesticated, you know, but before that she was a wild child. And I felt like I should be so much more like that. Just do what is go pee, pull up your pants, go do something else. You know, it wasn't any, okay, now what do I do? It just was Whatever it was was beautiful, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's to see. Beautiful. Yeah. Stream
1: of consciousness. Yeah. And the way that children work with emotions is they don't have any self-reflection. So they can't actually be they're not actually aware of what they're doing. So they're not actually enlightened. Yeah. But it is interesting <laughs> to see how they work with it because a tantrum comes and it can be as big as, as a room. And it can feel like it's never ending. And then it does. And then they're like, cool, let's have a candy. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whatever. Like we're done. And you're and you're there like shaking Yeah. a person. Little kids for so many years as a teacher and I would hold these children through tantrums and, and they would be off and running and playing but it was just like screaming level 12 two minutes before and my whole body shaking but there they are they're off and it's like yeah it is that easy to let it go
0: right if I don't get attached to it exactly because <laughs> they're not attached to it I can again remember my son when he was little going what's the matter with you? And I'd be like, you were just like really upset. He goes, yeah, not anymore.
1: Let's go. I, I had this one of the most amazing experiences when I was teaching young children, like a four year old had an hour long tantrum in the preschool classroom. And I was just really holding the space of awareness and making sure she was safe and she was hitting me and trying to go out. This I couldn't let her go outside because she, she would just run. I don't know. You know, it was like I had to keep it contained. And it was just really holding space for an hour of of really the the biggest high level of screaming but i felt really lucky that i had a mindfulness practice so i kept just staying present and even though it was really challenging and wondering am i doing this right like for sure and finally i mean it really did last an hour and then finally we traveled all around the room (laughs) (laughs) finally we were i think just in the bathroom somehow in the closet. And there was this curtain hanging down and she just, I saw her looking at it and I said, that's a nice curtain or something like that. Right. Just that's a nice curtain. Are you, would you like a hug? And she just looked at the curtain and she looked at me and said, yeah, I'd like a hug. We just had a hug. And I said, would you like some tea? I mean, and this was like full on screaming and yelling and hitting for two seconds before, you know, just like a switch. We had a little tea. We had a little, snack, we went outside, but I checked in with the mom later that night and she said, yeah, she told me about her day. She said she was really sad, but then she had the or maybe she didn't say, I don't know if she said she was sad. What she said was I remember that I had the most special day with Miss Alexa because we had a tea party and she gave me candy and we <laughs> sat there for hours eating candy and drinking tea and that just did not happen but that was her memory of it. Wow. Which so So fascinating. It was such like the testament to, well, many, many things, but holding just a loving space of awareness. And for ourselves, we do this too. We have tantrums for some of us longer than an hour. For sure. Days, a week. Yeah. (laughs) And it can be just that sweet if we hold it with that kind of tenderness and we can just learn. We can reparent ourselves. We can hold ourselves in that way. And yes, beautiful Christopher for the mill for loving ourselves you know wow, that was an interesting I moment. love
0: that and she had no memory of the hour-long tantrum you have a memory of the hour-long tantrum but she has a memory of something else completely different beautiful
1: <laughs> powerful story for yeah.
0: Me. yeah really great so what are you doing now for your work and your life and your path and your thing that you yeah
1: well right now I um have the great honor to be mentor teaching as a part of Jack Kornfield and Tara Brock's mindfulness meditation teacher certification program so great so all 2,500 people from around the world training to be mindfulness teachers and just a year program mentoring them as they navigate their way through the process of becoming teachers and then Jack Kornfield and Tara Brock also started a Online forum bringing together people from all over the world in small sanghas, small communities to practice. So, just leading those every day, doing the meditation thing and waking up together to loving ourselves. So cool. So, yeah,
0: you're so cool. actually having sanghas of people all over the world coming in on Zoom or something.
1: On and then on Zoom. We call it, oh. I call it the Sky Temple. We meet there. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what can happen even on Zoom, the kind of connection. For sure. I'm always impressed.
0: I think I doubted it at first and it gets real, real fast. It always does. We were talking a little bit the other day about, you know, you just scratch the surface of what are you struggling with and for women it'll be weight and food men it'll be money and, uh, and their job and it's all just right there it's even if you've been a meditator for a long time there'll be you know yeah but i'm not i'm not thin enough or i'm not rich enough or whatever it is we're so inundated by our culture even in this and then in this,
1: even in the spiritual world, I one after another, and I'm pretty open about my path with eating disorders and recovery. And that's really been my doorway to meditation. And so I share about that really transparently and one after another people Women come and say, oh, I, I, too, struggle with this and maybe never have told anybody and one after another, Laura Lee. So it's something that I think we need to be start being even more transparent. And I think the reason that we aren't is the shame, the shame. That's it, and it's it has to do with for lack of a better word, this patriarchal world that silences women to not and because we're all buying in to this story that bodies should look a certain way, that we're afraid to let it go. We're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid what will to happen. It stop you know?
0: dieting we're yeah. afraid of all of that you yeah. know <laughs> it's like we'll just run willy-nilly through the streets Who was that that said that naomi wolf said if we stop dieting in the kitchen we could start marching in the streets and you know i was like wow that is such a powerful statement it's We are starving ourselves instead of standing up for our rights. Noticing some of the stuff that, again, is done to women all over the world, women and men, boys and girls. God, you know, how does any of us ever make it anyway (laughs) without like losing their all the time?
1: It feels so daunting. And I think that's what I I love about you know, we're not all activists. We're not all going to be out in the street and saying, or, you know, even out and Beyond Hunger. I mean, those girls that are going into the high schools, that's frontline stuff there. That's so brave to get up in front of high school students. Absolutely. And say, I'm not buying in, or this is my story. And I, I was just, you know, always amazed at the peer educators who could do that. And that that's activism. That takes a certain courage. It does. But for those of us who don't have that gene, If we start loving ourselves from the inside out, that changes
0: things too. Oh, it definitely does. And it gives other people permission. You know, I was just talking to one of them not that long ago. And I said, I know this is a very hard thing for you to do. And she goes, it's not really that hard. But it's difficult for me to believe that I can do it. Once I open my mouth and I'm doing it, I'm fine. But right before, I think I can't. It's so was so beautiful. You know, she did it anyway. She felt the fear and did it anyway. And she did fine.
1: And there we are again, not and believing in right? right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she was mindful of the fear. That's right. And she made a different choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched her. It was almost like she went through her whole life story in about one minute as she was going to talk. And she did it. We had classes back to back every 55 minutes. And she did it for the next one and the next one and the next one. So there was always that moment of choice. You can choose to step out on the diving board or you can climb back down the ladder. It's okay, no matter what you do. And she would just make her mind up and do it. (laughs) How did it feel for her when she did it? I asked her at the end of the day, she said, I just felt so powerful. I felt like, you know, I'm so much in myself than I used to be. It's like, oh my God, so great.
1: I think that there's a piece that's really important there. And sometimes just loving ourselves for ourselves isn't enough or it's not juicy enough or eh, there's no energy there. But when we think about the world and we think about the suffering in the world and we think about The women suffering, and we think about everybody dieting and all this dieting industry and all the the girls who have anorexia and in high school, you know, and and bulimia, all of it. When we can open to all that suffering,
0: okay, I'm going to love myself in the name
1: of these people.
0: It can give the work a little juice. I know. And I love that in the name of these people for the better good or the higher good, or it's just not me here doing this for me. It's me here doing this for a bigger thing than me.
1: What I think is so important about that peer educator program is just that, because I mean, I don't know how it is these days, but I remember 10 years ago, a lot of these girls were deeply in their own recovery while they were doing it. And there's something about when you're talking the talk, You want to walk the walk, want to try, you feel inspired. And that's that same energy of, okay, I'm doing this for these people that I'm sharing this with.
0: And they're, to me, to talk to their own peer age group, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, but around the same way, and then do it even in their own school that they go to all the time. It's like so out there, but they just step right in, just do it. This is what I'm here for. Let's go. They like the, we don't call it PowerPoint anymore. It's uh, Google Docs. I get them to help me put it together every year. So they get an ownership of it. And um, yeah, so it relates to them and it sits with them well. And they're happy to do it.
1: And they're empowered. And look at so many of them, what
0: these these young women are out there in the world doing right now. My Amazing to watch. It is. It is. And I'm so glad you were in on the ground floor and a lot of stuff, like I told you, you set in motion and we still use that same idea. I love everybody, still have that everywhere.
1: Everybody. I love that for every possible meaning of yeah. that phrase.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, would you do me a favor and read this last part of this card today? I will.
1: Today? I will practice observing my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors with a sense of detachment and curiosity. When I find myself doing a behavior, a dislike, instead of judging myself, I will say, hmm, isn't this interesting? What is my experience right now?
0: And the, the mindfulness of remembering to step back a little bit and, huh, interesting, yeah I'm so so grateful to you for being on my little show today and um just really grateful for who you are and what you've done and still continue to do
1: yeah you too right back at you okay
0: by the way you look good for 70 (laughs) (laughs) yeah but what if I was 60 did I look good at 60 oh yeah you're fabulous yeah (laughs) I'm sorry about Scooter I know I know I know he wormed his way into everybody's heart so thank you keep your family safe and you safe and I will see when you come down here the next time thank you for listening you can find me on all the social medias at it's not about food and if you would like to get the show a week early and ad free you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.